The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Well, it's been a little while, but we're back, and it's championship season. Let's go. That's right, man. As a guru once famously rhymed, it's the finals, not the playoffs. There it is. There it is. <laughs> know the Score can be found on the CSPN the CSPN can be found on the web at CSPN.us. You can also subscribe to Know the Score through all your normal uh, podcast platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and YouTube. So, Dwayne, it's that time of the season. The NBA Finals are here. The Golden State Warriors, they swept the Portland Trailblazers. In a weird series in which Portland led in every game in the second half by at least nine points, but they lost every game. And the Toronto Raptors, realizing the dream of Dr. James Naismith as they advanced to the finals for the first time in team history. It'll be the first time that uh, NBA team or NBA finals game was held in Canada, even though the very first game of basketball professionally was played in Canada. And of course, Dr. James Naismith was Canadian. So, yes, sir. So that brings us to game one of the finals in Toronto behind Piscals Siakam's 32 points. They win game one of the finals 118 109. Kevin Durant not available for game one. Um, and the Raptors took advantage. That crowd was like a college atmosphere. They were ready. They were psyched. They used a, a run at the end of the second uh, quarter to go into the third period uh, with a lead. The Warriors gave them their third quarter punts that we usually see, but Toronto sustained, and they pulled out that first game to get the win. So good start for Toronto. Dwayne, anything that stood out to you in that first game that led to Toronto getting the win? Uh, I think, the, of course, nobody expected Pascal Siakam to go off the way he did. I think with the fact that the Warriors were the chance coming in, they had a lot of they had a lot of rest in this uh, prior to this game. A lot of injuries healed up. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, ability to chill and relax. And I think they were still kind of in chill mode a little bit uh, going into this game one. But Pascal Siakam just really has been consistent all season long. And this really, if you didn't know about him, uh, before the game, uh, for like the casual fan who may not even uh, have heard of Pascal Siakam, you know his name after game one. He was definitely the man in that game. I think the few things that stood out was just the fact that I think they were more busy trying to get 
uh, Boogie Cousins acclimated back into the fold versus just playing their freestyle, their loose game that they've been known to play for the last few years and what's really been the catalyst for them getting back to the finals um, uh, without Durant or Cousins. So I think the focus of bringing uh, DeMarcus back kind of hindered Golden State from doing what they do best. But you got to give Toronto credit. The six with Juice, everybody was ready to go. And and they pulled off and got the win. That brings us up to game two. The Warriors, with a great team effort, they win game two, 109-104, with a deciding three-pointer made by Andre Iguodala. Speaking of DeMarcus Cousins, he got the start for the Warriors at center after he returned from injury in game one. But Klay Thompson left game two in the fourth quarter after suffering an injury to his hamstring. He was trying to shot a three, trying to get the foul call, so he spread his legs out. And when he came down, he came down kind of awkward. And his hamstring tightened up, so uh, he had to leave that game. But the real story of this game was the third quarter Warriors showed up, and they showed up really, really gangster-like as they went on a 20 to nothing run spanning the end of the second quarter into the third quarter. I think it was about seven minutes and some change, like seven minutes and like 30-something seconds and uh, before the – Raptors scored their first point of the third quarter. And so it took what was a, uh, I think it was a five-point deficit and turned it into a 13-point lead for the Warriors there in the third quarter. And they just kind of held on at the end. So your thoughts and observations from game two? I didn't watch game two as much as I did with game one. Of course, game only due to the fact that I was at work last night. But from what I did see, I think, I think this time around, it was more. It was more of the freestyle game. I will say that this was a must win for all the state. I did pick them on the NBA page on Instagram to win. So, shout out to those that did as well. And you know, it would have been a really tough. I mean, yes, yes, you're going back home for the next two, but for the fact of the matter is that with but Golden State uh, being thirty-two and two now, with one Curry's in the lineup and Durant is not, that's really a remarkable statistic. So, um, definitely a big win for the Warriors. You know, it extends the series, of, of course, and gotta keep moving forward from here. If you're uh, GSW, especially now, the momentum's on your side. Get to go home for game three, and and now it can either go one way or the other at this point. Steve Kerr told the media that he would need to observe Kevin Durant for a full practice before he returns to the lineup. KD has not been cleared to practice as of game two. Things may change as we switch over to uh, Oracle for the next two games. But we'll definitely, I think a lot of people are basically hedging all their bets on whether Kevin Durant comes back or not as to who will win the series. Uh, with this Clay Thompson injury, now that throws another little wrinkle in the mix. Uh, uh, Kevon Looney also got injured in game two as he got 
shoulder blocked out of the air by Kawhi Leonard and uh, had a chest contusion. So he had to leave game two as well. So uh, maybe some interesting coaching decisions for Steve Kerr. Um, if Clay Thompson is going to be very limited, do you hold him out or do you try to, you know, let him play and give him, and let him give you what he can? Or, you know, do, when do you bring Durant back? You know, do you wait another game since you have, you know, you're not in a desperate situation. You're not, you're not down two to nothing. You're, you know, one to one. So there's going to be a game five at least. So do you wait a little bit longer before you bring him back? So very interesting decisions the Warriors uh, front office and coaching staff are going to have to make uh, coming up this week involving these two games. We had the NBA draft lottery where the New Orleans Pelicans, they beat the odds and they got the number one pick. They beat out the Memphis Grizzlies, who will pick second, the Knicks, who will pick third, the Lakers, who will pick fourth, and the Cavs, who will pick fifth. Um, Is this a new age in the way that the lottery works as the teams who did the most losing were not the teams who ended up in the top of the list here? Phoenix Suns, nowhere to be found here in the top five. Knicks and the Cavs, you know. They did get three and five, but, you know, they probably lost enough games if this was the NFL to be like two or three. So your thoughts and your and just your overall opinion of the way that the draft lottery worked this year. And is this going to make sure that teams don't tank as much since it doesn't seem like it actually helps you when it comes to the lottery now? Um, well, the lottery, of course, was made so teams wouldn't tank on purpose. Uh, and- that's the reason why the whole lottery uh, was created to begin with. But I think that when you have situation, I think with the new lottery format, uh, a lot of is more evened out in terms of the odds and everything, especially if you're like a top five, top five uh, pick, predicted top five pick, I should say. So I think this was a fair process. I mean, yes, it kind of seems like, hey, the New Orleans New Orleans struck it again. I mean, we all know that year Anthony Davis was coming out, that pick should have went to Charlotte because, remember, Charlotte had the worst record of all NBA history, but we ended up seeing New Orleans get it. But this time around, I think this was a more fair process. This was a more accurate process in terms of how everything fell and and so you know I mean the Grizzlies Memphis I was about to say Toronto I had Canada on the line but Memphis really at number two I should say they're going to have a good player but New Orleans though especially in the light of you know the whole saga that we reported earlier this year about Anthony Davis. I don't know if this will be enough to keep him in New Orleans, but you know, at least they have the best hype all over the match. So it's going to be, I think, once if Zion decides to come out because he. Technically, as a sign with agent, but I think the deadline is passed. He signed with CAA this week or last week. Okay. Yes. Oh yeah, because the de- the deadline was last week. So, um, so yeah. So now that he's signed and he's gonna be in the draft, so 
there's no it's pretty much at this point a foregone conclusion and I'll see why unless the Boston Celtics throw everything in the kitchen sink to New Orleans for Anthony Davis uh, you know it could be a nice little dynamic duo for at least a year so we should see what happens and and go from there pretty much according to the mock drafts Memphis who has the number two pick will select John Morant came out this week that John Morant had a little minor knee surgery nothing major just a little you know maintenance so Hopefully that doesn't hurt his draft status. The Knicks at number three are projected to pick R.J. Barrett. The Lakers at number four are projected to pick DeAndre Hunter. And the Cavs at number five are projected to pick Jarrett Culver. I like the I like the Jean Morant to Memphis. Uh, this is this is actually a good situation for Jean, especially with. Um, you know, Jared Jackson, Jaron Jackson, um, right there beside him. You got a nice young uh, duo there that's that can definitely be the future of the Grizzlies. And, of course, you got the whole Mike Conley situation. I mean, he's got the big, that big contract plus the fact that not only does he have the big contract, he has the who's going to take on that tail end of that big contract. Does he have a no trade clause? He does have a no trade clause. Yes, he does. And so he can he pretty much can go where he wants to go, but you got to find a team that's willing to take that on because there's a lot of money that's still left on that deal. So. Yeah, that kind of sounds like what Houston is going through right now, where apparently everybody's available on the team uh, from Chris Hart and through James uh, from uh, James Hart and through Chris Paul. Uh, but more people are most likely thinking that Clint Capella will probably be the piece that most people will try to get just because that's it's a the deal is more friendly. But, yeah, it seems like uh, a lot of these salaries that got signed back in what was that the summer of 2017 Mm-hmm. Are coming back to haunt a lot of these teams now. Oh yeah, absolutely. And now, and I know, of course the the Hornets were one of those teams that are rumored to be interested in Capella, but with the whole Kemba Walker situation, where he can get a twenty to twenty one million dollar supermax deal, that's gonna that could potentially hamper any kind of flexibility Charlotte can have because you have Nick Batum's albatross of the deal. You have Marvin Williams getting keep picking up his $15 million option. Bismarck Biombo picking up his $15 million option. And I want to say MKG has an option that he picked up for $15 million. So, that's $45 million right there mired in mediocrity, plus Batum's contract that he's been such a bust since he got to Charlotte. So uh, a lot of, uh, if you could swing one of those guys for Capella, that would be kind of a, a job of wizardry by Mitch Kupchak. 
The NBA moved up their free agency period by one day. So now free agency will begin on June the 30th. So everybody will basically have the finals end. Then the draft will take place on the 20th. And then 10 days later, chaos will ensue. And we'll see who will be the person who gets the eye-opening deal. Like, wow, I didn't know he was worth that much. But uh, that's been kind of the the, the theory, the, the trend here the last few years in the NBA free agency big trades and people getting overpaid right we'll shift over to the NHL where the Boston Bruins unfortunately swept my Carolina Hurricanes out of the Eastern Conference Finals and they will match up against the St. Louis Blues who took care of the San Jose Sharks Is this is a rematch like 40 years in the making as the last time St. Louis their only other trip to the Stanley Cup they faced Boston and uh, it provided the famous hockey photo of Bobby Orr scoring the winning goal lying in there yeah laying out parallel in that freeze frame the Bruins they lead the series two games to one Boston flexed their muscles in games one and three they really flexed their muscles in game three, seven to oh two. Gosh. Uh, they scored on just about every power play they got. Four power play goals on four shots. Yes. Four opportunities, four shots, four goals. Um, that's been the strength of their playoff run is you can't take penalties against this team because they will put it in the back of the net. Uh, Bennington did show out, though, in game two. That game went to overtime. That's the game that they actually got to Tuka Rask. Uh, he gave up three goals, which is the most goals he given up in like seven or eight games uh, consecutively. So um, it can be done, but it's very hard to score goals on Tuka Rask. Yes, very hard. Your thoughts on uh, who you think will come out uh, victorious of this series? Do you think Boston is just going to be too tough because that offense is just so dangerous? I, I picked Boston from the start. Not because I'm bitter or anything, but no, nah, but I really do think the Bruins, they have the firepower, they have the goalie, they have the defense. Um, it's, it's a juggernaut that, you know, if you can get the opportunities, you got to seize those opportunities. But if they play like they did in game three, uh, you can definitely wrap this thing up because – that that was a huge that was an awesome display of special teams of marksmanship and just a bad lack of concentration in St. Louis part. You have home you took home ice in game two. You have all the momentum going back home for games three and four and you have that dud in game three and the fact of the matter is you take those four power play goals away, you still lose. So Definitely disappointed in St. Louis, but every game is different. That's the beauty of a seven-game series, so we should see what happens next. This is Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra Icon. You can find Know the Score on the CSPN at CSPN.us. Shifting over to the NFL in an out-of-the-blue move. The New York Jets 
fire their GM over disputes with money spent during free agency. So coach Adam Gase is serving as the interim. In many regards, people would say that the Jets had one of the best off seasons uh, this year of any team in the league. They got Le'Veon Bell. They got Mosley from Baltimore. Um, it looks like they're poised to, you know, win, you know, three or four more games than they did last year. Uh, coaching change and everything. It looks like everything was pointing up for the Jets. And then this happened. So, Dwayne, what was your take when you saw the news come down that the Jets fired their GM and now Adam Gase is running the show until they can find a suitable replacement? Random. That's probably the best word that. But it also kind of just shows that even when the Jets go two steps forward, they knock themselves three steps back. Um, They're always in their own way as an organization. And, you know, yes, even in the, on an interim basis, Adam Gase, is, I don't think he's really qualified to run a team, especially with a dual role where you're the coach and GM in term GM. So that just does baffled me. That's why I say this is random. Like it's random, but you know, it's the New York Jets. It's just they love to feed off dysfunction. And it's just not something that is fun to look at or watch, to be honest. So um I just hope that no major moves, no other major moves are made. Um, Just let Adam Gates just kind of have the title and kind of work with Chris Johnson, the owner of the Jets, um, and just see where, just take it day by day instead of uh, trying to do too much. I think it probably could have happened uh, you know, you know, with the whole backstory of the Jets, Woody Johnson got named ambassador to the UK by uh, the president of the United States. And then after, so once he got appointed, his brother took over uh, the operations of the team. And I think he's been more hands-on and more involved with the team than what he was. So I think that he's probably looking at some of the money that was being spent and probably was like, yo, what is going on? And, you know, heated incidents happened, and now Adam Gates is running the show on running the show. So I think it's just dysfunction, kind of a controlling aspect on ownership part, just let just own the team, provide the money, let the GM do his job and everything should fall into play. That's really one of the best ways to approach that. So I hope it does. I hope things do change in New York for the Jets and their fans. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers released their Pro Bowl defensive lineman, Gerald McCoy, in a surprising move. And they reacted by signing in Dominican Sioux. So, Gerald McCoy is basically taking a tour around the league. I know he went to the Panthers. I saw he went to the Packers. He's just visiting these people, and he's uh, looking for a place to land. So, 
That was a shocking move. Bruce Arians and uh, Tampa Bay cutting Jerome McCoy. Uh, I know you're happy about that because that's one less person your offensive line has to block in Carolina. But uh, yeah, what but type of they, ripples do you think that that's going to make throughout the league? I mean, it makes a big uh, – it's a big ripple effect. I mean, yeah, yeah, we don't have to worry about Jerome McCoy terrorizing uh, players in the NFC South. Possibly, but guess what? He got replaced by Ndamukong Sue. And, of course, those two were drafted at the same exact time. So, I don't think that... I think that the teams that did pass on him, I guess he wasn't planning on signing anywhere anyway. But, you know, you always got to leave an impression on the player. And you always have a feeling that you know if he's going to sign or not. So if he doesn't if he doesn't go to Carolina or anywhere in the AFC North, well I think he'll probably go to Baltimore if he lands in the AFC North. Um, but I definitely hope he does come to Carolina. It'll be a great look for the Panthers. It'll shore up their defense as well as a uh, Improving offense, so we just gotta hope for the best and see what happens. Two other quick NFL notes: Reuben Foster suffers a torn ACL during OTAs, and Packers legendary quarterback Bart Starr passed away at age eighty-five. Yes, rest in peace, Bart Starr. Uh, definitely. Definitely a legend in the game of football. MVP of the first two Super Bowls. Um, and all around, all around great human being from what I always read and saw. I always was part of that Packers community, you know, being the smallest market. It's all about the community in Green Bay. And definitely deserving of all the honors, all the retired the retirement of his 15 at Lambeau and everything that he's done for that franchise and it's it's well deserved and I definitely think that there is def there's a chance that well there's always a street named after him but I think that um you know so very somber time but he'll be honored the right way because that's what the Packers do the right thing always the teams are currently going through their mini camps uh, first and second week of June uh, they usually have about a three to four day um, workout thing with all the teams uh, this is the mandatory mini camps uh, for most of the teams coming up now and then once they'll break they'll break for about a month and then at the end of July beginning of August the teams will head into training camp so NFL football is right around the corner it will be here before you know it. Back to football, baby. And our last topic for this week's show, boxing. We don't usually talk a lot about boxing here on Know the Score, but when something this notable happens, it has to make the show. As Anthony Ruiz upsets the world heavyweight champion, Anthony Joshua, to become the new boxing world heavyweight champion, Anthony Ruiz 
Ruiz was not the original opponent for Anthony Joshua. Andy Ruiz took this fight on about two months notice. Uh, maybe Anthony Joshua was taking him lightly, but Andy Ruiz jumped into the spotlight and he pulled off the biggest upset since Buster Douglas over in Tokyo against Mike Tyson. Um, Saturday night was crazy as the reports came out that he had won and then everybody saw who was the new heavyweight champion and they were like, Oh, that guy won the title. Mm. (laughs) Uh, a lot of people refer to Andy Ruiz as Nacho Libre, and hopefully that's because of the body type and not because of the stereotype. But uh, your <laughs> your your first initial thoughts and reactions once you saw uh, Andy Ruiz, the new world heavyweight champion. The same as everybody else. Uh, kind of got to put the new day who, who, who. Uh, and then seeing the seeing how it happened, and Anthony Joshua just didn't protect himself very well, and Ruiz slipped those punches in, and next thing you know, Joshua's down on his back. So I know it was short notice, but you're still the champ. You got to be prepared for anything, any challengers that come in. And it was just bad preparation and bad protection when I've when I looked at it about several times on a loop and that's that was my thought after after I found out who it was, found out what he looked like, then I saw the the knockout several times. Yeah, it was uh Anthony Joshua deserved to lose that title, so um, I'm sure there's going to be a rematch. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's gonna, there's got to be some kind of rematch. Yeah, there's a mandatory rematch clause in the contract. Right. So we're going to need to see if Anthony Joshua can do better with uh, better preparation and better job of protecting himself. I'm sure he's probably not going to want to watch the match immediately, but he will – Definitely have to look again, see what he did wrong. And I think if he does the right adjustments, he can get that title back. Deontay Wilder had to be the most pissed off man in America on Friday night. (laughs) Right. Because his boxing payday and his trip to immortality just got washed away. It really did. It really, really did. So that's the thing about boxing, man. It's always been this way is is that, you know, especially in the heavyweight division, you know, if you come in there slipping or don't have the, you know, 100% focus, you will get got. And every single time. (laughs) And a guy like Andy Ruiz will be the heavyweight champion for like the next nine months until they fight again. Yep. You never know what's going to happen. In the world of boxing, and I think that kind of does kind of revitalize the sport in a sense because you just have you have those Cinderella man kind of stories, and and this is kind of one of them. If you really want to keep it a hundred, this is definitely one of those times because you just don't expect you don't expect something like that to happen, and then when it does, it's just like oh wow. For sure, for sure. So with the 
summer months, there's not as much to talk about on a, you know, outstanding basis. Baseball is every day. So unless somebody gets traded or something, you won't hear that much baseball talk here on the score during the summer months until we get back into the World Series or so. So at this point, Dwayne, this is going to be the end of the show for this week, man. So give him give out your shout outs and thank yous. Shout out to the listeners. Shout out to the family. Uh, shout out to CSPN. And you know what my final thoughts going to be after this weekend. All I got to do is say six. Six times European champions, Liverpool Football Club, beat Tottenham in the Champions League final two to nothing. And a two minute, a penalty two minute sin on a handball led to a most solid penalty. Then in the 87th minute, Divac Origi, this man was actually casted off a year ago to another team on the loan. He, he put in the work. He's been, he's been money in the Champions League all, all year long. And he puts in the insurance goal in the 87th minute. That's St. Tottenham Hotspur for Liverpool's sixth European Cup. Uh, they missed the Premier League title by a single point to Manchester City. But I think this is definitely something that will make up for it. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, the manager of Liverpool, said in his first press conference in 2015, he said in four years we will get at least one trophy. And they did exactly that. So... Uh, a lot of moves were made in those four years to make this team very, very special, very, very fun to watch, very entertaining. The guys definitely play for each other. They play for their manager. And most importantly, they play for the passionate fan base that is Liverpool. And, you know, a lot of people kept clowning Liverpool and Klopp for not winning a trophy things of this sort, but, you know, he last, last, last best, and, uh, and the Reds are the champs of Europe, so it, it's, it's going to be a great summer, and I cannot wait to get my Liverpool jersey for this upcoming season. Thank you for those final thoughts, Dwayne. Um, I don't have any final thoughts as far as sports goes this week, so I'll just give my shout-outs and thank yous. Shout-outs and thank yous to everybody here on the CSPN. Shout-out to all the fans, all the listeners. Please support the CSPN by helping keep our podcast free. Visit the website, CSPN.us. Click on the Keep Our Podcast Free tab at the top of the page. Support our sponsors. Get your dad something through Amazon, through CSPN. Some of your purchases will come back to help keep the podcast free. We also have a Patreon page. You can support the podcast through the, us being a member of our Patreon page. So go over to patreon.com forward slash CSPN media. Uh, we have a $1 tier, a $3 tier, and a $5 tier. If you sign up for the 3 or $5 tier, you get access to our exclusive Patreon-only content that consists of podcasts and videos. So please check us out over on patreon.com forward slash CSPN Media. And for my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score. 